Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, uh, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me today is James and Sharp and Sharp. We're both back off our holes so uh, normal service shall be resumed and that means before we start beer52.com if you'd like to head over there for some free beer head over to beer52.com use the tagline Leicester to register you could be enjoying eight beers from around the world and all you gotta do is pay the postage and pack it now it might be the close season yeah and the season feels like it's it finished a long time ago now but um there's still plenty going on at Leicester cities and the James we've had a, a couple of signings already the latest being Johnny Evans now we've seen this one coming for a while Mm. I don't think it took anybody by surprise but um what an absolute bargain! Three point five million pounds for an international footballer. Yeah, you can't get you, you can't get anything with three and a half million pounds nowadays, can you? So that it is essentially a no risk transfer. You've got a player with oodles of Premier League experience, loads of international experience. Manchester United, Man, player. former Manchester United player. Yes, part of a relegated team, but you wouldn't say he's the sole reason why they got relegated. All that experience, and as we said before, keeping that English, well, British core, um, for three and a half million pounds, what an absolute steal. Because even, I'm not, not saying he won't work out, I, I think he'll be a great signing, but even if it, it doesn't work out, you've, you've not lost much, have you? I mean, it, you can't get anyone of that quality for anywhere near that price. Leicester bid 23 million pounds from last summer, they've, get, they've got him for nearly 20 million pounds less than what they bid for him 12 months ago. It's an absolute steal. The reason is that um, uh, Evans has got a clause in the, a relegation clause in his contract, which uh, meant that Leicester City could pay such a minimal fee, and they're paying it over two instalments as well, so they're not even lumping up the £3.5 million yeah. up front for him to come in. And uh, He's somebody that City have been targeting for a while. As James just said, they're £23 million they bid last time, and that was rejected by Albion, who must have never envisaged that they would have been broad yeah. in the relegation battle. And I agree with you as well. You know, sometimes you can you can find these little treasures in these sunken ships, can't you? If you mm-hmm. uh, really plunder them, and Harry Maguire is a classic example. What a massive hit he's been, and uh, Johnny Evans looks like he's going to be the main partner for uh, Harry next season. And w- where do you think that leaves Wes Morgan? It leaves him in a position that he's not used to, which is not being a regular starter. I think Wes. Will accept that. I think. I think Wes knows that his his, his body's catching up with him. He's played over six hundred and fifty professional games, pretty much every minute of every game for Leicester since he joined under Nigel, and he's still over hundred appearances behind his, his total for Forest, which shows how how many miles are in those legs. And for someone who very rarely suffered injury, very rarely missed a game, time catches up with you from. Now, and we saw at the end of last season that he isn't the, the defender that he was and that he, his legs aren't as good as they were and I think now is the time where he will take a back step and I think, I think Wes knows that. 
Uh, and I think Leicester City are not done as well no. in terms of bringing in centre-backs. Uh, we understand they would still like to do a deal with Alexander Dragovic to make his loan permanent from Bayer Leverkusen. That hasn't emerged yet. There were some sort of reports that uh, uh, Dragovic needs a little bit of convincing. He was a bit upset at the way he was treated at times last season when he was in the side playing well and then suddenly out of the side. Um, so perhaps he just needs a little bit of uh, an arm around his shoulders. I wonder what he'd make of Johnny Evans. I was just going to say, I mean, yeah. a lot... Uh, all the all the fans want Jagovic to sign, and he would be an excellent. I thought I was impressed with him when he played. The problem Jagovic has got is is he going to be stuck in the same boat again next season if Puel stays with four at the back and two centre halves? If he signs on a permanent deal and Johnny Evans becomes the main man alongside Maguire, is Jagovic just going to be sat in the same boat as he was last time, thinking he should play, and he's still third choice centre back? That's something that I think the club are going to have to talk to him about and he's going to have to be honest with him about, really, because you can't say to him, oh, look, here we go, sign permanently and come in, come into this team, you'll, you'll play more. And then... And well, City well, need four quality yeah. centre-backs because in Premier League season it's very rare. I mean, Wes Morgan, you talked about his record. That was phenomenal, really. Yeah. But they do pick up injuries. They do pick up suspension. I know Harry Maguire went the whole season last season, didn't yeah. he, as well. But you can't rely on that every season. You need some backup there. You need some quality backup there. And uh, certainly when uh, Morgan's body started to break down in the second half of the season, they were thankful they had some yeah. of quality of da- Dragovic to, to call upon. I mean, I don't know where Johan Benalo won. Sits now in the grand scheme of things, he was well, certainly World Cup international now. Yeah, he's going he's gonna, to gonna get onto the World Cup at the moment. And Johan on the world stage, that's going to be yeah, entertainment, it's pure entertainment. It's where he belongs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we don't know what his situation is in terms of Leicester. I mean, Shakespeare looked out in the cold, didn't he, completely? And then Claude Puel's brought him back in a little bit. But whether long term City would like to get in more centre backs, we'll. Uh, well, well, we suspect they probably do. Um, they've already brought in Ricardo Pereira, they've bolstered yeah. that right back slot. They've got Christian Fuchs and Ben Shilwell now at left back. Defensively, if you get one more centre half in, I think they're pretty much business done there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you can't be anything other than impressed with the business so far. It's done early because of the World Cup and the two excellent signings. Pereira brings you obviously Leicester fans won't have seen him, club well seen him before, and all the reports we're hearing from people who have watched him closely suggest that he's going to be an excellent signing and. and in the exact mould that Puel wants, wants an attacking right back that's going to be able to get into those four positions and get balls into the box and be an attacking threat. So that's that box ticked. Centre back, we were looking looking for for experience there and and ready made players to play straight away. That box is ticked. I think fans should be. Content and happy with 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 the transfer deal so far, but there's still more to come. There's still more to come. It's still early days, and I, I know City are looking further forward in the uh, in the side as well to strengthen James Madison. Uh, remains of uh, a very strong interest in him. How close is that? Uh, well, they're down the line in terms of negotiating, but I don't think a fee's been agreed. We're expecting that to be over two twenty million pounds for the young uh, midfield player, and uh, I know there's an interest in Jack Grealish as well, but he would come. At quite a hefty price. I mean, Villa are talking forty million pounds for Jack Grealish, which seems an extraordinary. I can't see Leicester paying that. Well, no, I think, I don't well, think well, Villa need Villa are struggling with financial fair play, aren't they? And um, it, they need about forty million pounds to be able to balance those those figures. So a lot of that's going to have to come through Grealish, but there's not a chance in hell that Leicester are going to pay forty million quid for I a, think a bloke that scored three goals in the Championship all season. I think they'd go with Madison over mm. over Grealish. Uh, I think that that's really where they're going at the moment. 
Um, I'm not. I don't. I wouldn't rule out Grealish, mm. but Madison seems to be the first choice that they want. And then we're looking further forward again. We still don't know uh, what's happening with Riyad Morris. We suspect that um, the deal will still go through. Um, talking to agents around the uh, who work around the club, they're expecting that to go through. So Riyad Morris should be moving on to Manchester City, and then you've got the, the delicate job of replacing Riyad Mahrez. So. I mean, Madison's a very central mid- attacking midfield player type. He can break forward and get into the box. He scores goals as we saw last season. He's certainly not a Riyad Mahrez. No, he's more of that. He's more of the the number ten role, isn't he? Um, well, we've mentioned before on numerous podcasts. How on earth do you replace Riyad Mahrez? Because, as we've said before, he's the only player to have double figures, goals and assists in two out of three seasons. He's a world class talent who has such an influence on, on Leicester City and how they play and he's going to be not only impossible to replace if you sell him for 60, 70, 75 million pounds is that the kind of money you have to spend on getting someone in who is of that quality? I don't know. Well Patrick Roberts has been linked again um, City do have an interest in Patrick Roberts they weren't interested in paying 15 million pounds for him in January yeah. but uh, we don't know what the situation is at the moment he obviously still Retains an interest for Leicester City, um, but he's not the finished article. But he's not; he's only a youngster as well. You know, it'd be too much pressure on him coming in to say, right, you're going to be Riyad Mahrez's replacement. I think Leicester have been linked with Shakiri of Stoke City. They've already shown that they're uh, willing to um, plunder these sink- sinking ships, as I put it, and um, he could be an option. Shakiri, would you have Shakiri? Uh, I don't know if I would. A lot of the talk about him, and there's loads of talk about him, and the downsides of it are people say, yeah, but is his attitude and he, he's, he's not consistent enough. He didn't turn up in every game. I say that about Rio. I know exactly, mm. exactly. And fans, some fans who I know aren't too bothered about Rio going because he isn't consistent enough. He's consistent enough to score ten goals, well, more than ten goals, and get more than ten assists. So that's consistent enough for me. Uh, I'm, I'm still yet to be convinced by Shakiri, but he has scored some. He's scored against Leicester before, and he has won Stoke games before, so. He was their term, main man. In terms of like for like replacements with a Premier League experience and potential to be able to buy him, I suppose he's probably the nearest you've got. But I guess I'm still to be convinced that he is the right man. We're talking about speculation and rumours. There yeah. was another rumour that emerged over the weekend. Um, we thought the rumours about Claude Puel's position had, had gone, had died off. I mean, the Ricardo Pereira signing was a Puel signing, yeah. but that doesn't seem to be the case. No, I mean, we were all ready and willing to crack on with Puel being the man for next season. And then some reports also came over the weekend that Leicester are looking to bring in Brendan Rodgers from Celtic to replace Puel. Now, they seem to like, they seem to start by just a little few little babbling brook and then it's a lot of different people picked it up and it started to become a big thing over the weekend and exploded slightly. What's your view on that? Well, I I'm, I'm, must admit, I'm I'm a bit sceptical about it all. Uh, I think City are pressing ahead with Puel as the manager. This might be attempts uh, by an agent to try and get his uh, his name out there. He might yeah. feel like that he's achieved everything he wants to achieve in Scotland with Celtic. There's no other real challenge up there. And he's ready to return to the Premier League. And this is getting his name out. That's my suspicion about it all. I don't think Leicester have uh, got any uh, genuine um, desire to change manager at this no. stage. So... Uh, 
but these things crop up from time to time and, and yeah. uh, I'm sure when uh, the vacancy comes up again his name will be linked um, because yeah. it has been now so inevitably the case but I think Puel uh, will be in charge at the start of the season but he does need a strong start to the season yeah. and this brings us to what, uh, what is going to be a busy end to the week because not only is the World Cup starting on Thursday but the fixtures are out yes. I talked about how it feels like a long time since the end of the season well the fixtures are going to be out on yeah. Thursday and we can all start looking forward to the to the next season and uh, we saw last season with Shakespeare when those fixtures come out and they were ridiculously tough I mean the first six games four of the last seasons yeah. top six and then the two promoted sides who are always up for it in the early stages mm. of the season Claude can't afford that now because he's, you know, some of the fans are not convinced by him, um, even more so than Shakespeare. Yeah, he's not got, he's got very few credits in the bank with the supporters from last season. A lot of them are calling for him to go, um, with two games to go. Uh, still, some are calling for him to go at the end of the season, and lots of talk about back about behind the scenes unrest. I mean, the scenes we saw uh, for that lap of honour at the end of the, the penultimate home game that didn't didn't breathe confidence from the supporters I think a lot have probably accepted that he's the man for next season some have already been convinced by the fact he can attract signing like Pereira but he he can't get off to a bad start because if he does and they carry on and they, they lose games they play boring football fans will turn quickly and then if he has a similar shot to Shakespeare we saw what happened there he's going to be under some serious pressure the hope is he gets off to a cracker they're playing football like they did at the start of his reign and those background murmurings go away but if you look if the, the, the fixtures come out and it goes Man U, Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea that's bad isn't it yeah you'll think he's, uh, he really is in, in trouble as well plus as well when you bring in um, new signings it always takes them a little yeah. bit of time to gel and, and get up to the speed of things certainly when you're taking players from overseas they've got to adjust to the uh, the different uh, styles and the, the different demands of the Premier League and that's what I was saying about players like Shaqiri they know what it's all about so yeah. they come, and Johnny Evans they can come straight in it but Ricardo, he might, he might look a great player he might stand out in the World Cup because he's in the Portugal squad but that doesn't say necessarily he's going to hit the ground look at, look at Cranrich when he joined he was the star he was the young star of Euro 2016 for Poland he joined with high expectations and just just couldn't just couldn't couldn't get up to speed. Couldn't, yeah. Just couldn't do it. And then look, he's gone away and he's scoring goals again. But it left just it just didn't work. Yeah, well that uh, brings us to the World Cup as yeah. well then, because um, that kicks off on Thursday. There's been a fantastic build up. Mm. Um, I went down to the England uh, press day on last Tuesday. All twenty three members Bowl of the squad. Style, Super Bowl style. They were in a big circle at their own little uh, desks. And you had to queue up to uh, talk to them. Obviously, I only spoke to Jamie Vardy and Harry Maguire, but they seem really relaxed, really confident. And there seems to be a good vibe around the England squad. And I know that there's always been um, the burden of expectation placed on the England squads going into tournaments in the past. And, you know, I mean, certainly when that golden generation was there, they were expected to win it every time. Yeah. And, and then anything other than that was deemed as failure. But there doesn't seem to be that sort of pressure on this England side. And it's a very young side as well, the young squad. No, I think they go without. They go without scars, don't they? There's only five of them who were there in 2014. Um, less than half of them were there for, 20, for Euro 2016 and the Iceland humiliation. Two of them are uncapped. Five or six of them are below under 23. It's a very young squad. Might be inexperienced, but doesn't carry the baggage that it had before. They're young, they're exciting players. There seems to be 
more of a connection between that 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 distance between fans and players seems to have been shrunk. That media day will have helped that. And I think Gareth Southgate's got a lot of credit to take for this. Oh, he's, absolutely. He's, oh, he's, he, yeah, very impressed with me. He always talks openly and honestly. And he seems to have nurtured this this squad to have less fear than last time. I mean, it's his job, a bit of a social worker, really, to, to keep those players free from those the expectation and free from the pressures on their shoulders and to tell them to go out there and express themselves. So there's been a lot more positive build-up, I think. How that, if they if they go and lose the first game to Tunisia and Ben Lawan scores two, yeah. how the how that shifts and whether they're, they're able to maintain that positivity with the media as well that'll be the tough thing. But I think Southie's got a lot of credit to take. For this. I think that'll be a tough opening game Tunisia. Mm. I think there will, will be a little bit of a surprise package and and then Panama. We've seen Panama in action. I, I wouldn't be too worried about. Yeah. them to be honest but you certainly need a good result against Tunisia and then it's only a case of the Belgians and their golden generation yeah and their golden generation but that might work in England's favour all the pressure might be on them all the weight of expectation might crush them rather than crushing England in the yeah they, they do look like they're struggling defensively I mean they've got um, Roberto Martinez in charge who's not renowned for his defensive tactics so the likes of Vardy Kane Rashford Sterling hopefully we'll have some fun but I'm just so excited to see Johan Bandelow play in that first <laughs> game against England because no one knows what's going to happen. Yeah, well, we've got ten Leicester yeah. City players in the World Cup, which is phenomenal. When we were talking four years ago, there was Riyad Mahrez, and he was the first one since Muzzy is here. And we'll get how excited we'll be getting yeah, them. Ten. How excited we'll be getting them? We're like, oh, we're going to have Leicester player at the World Cup now. Is it double figures? I think it's the, was it the fourth or fifth most of any team in the Premier League, more than Arsenal, more than Liverpool. Just shows how far Leicester have come in four years and how the development of that team and that squad and that club from a from a middle of the road yo-yo um, English team to a, a a global team essentially um, a, a team of of stars from all over the world it shows what what a big international club Leicester are now so when the kids are sticking their stickers in their Panini sticker albums yeah. at and it'll say Leicester City Club at the bottom so yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, something uh, special as well uh, you can follow the progress of all the Leicester City players in the World Cup on the Mercury website and our Facebook page also all the transfer gossip and all the news as well uh, breaking news will be there as well thank you very much for joining us uh, we'll have another podcast uh, next week where we'll probably be hopefully reflecting on uh, Jamie yes. Vardy and Harry Maguire getting off to win your start for England hope so uh, but so uh, join us then next time don't forget Beer 52 thank you very much <laughs>